Attention units, this episode contains still language mature situations, violent betrayals, SAA issued battle armor, GU calendars, high explosives, and lots of gunfire. Listener discretion is advised. Check units to command. Mission is accepted. And we're back for another episode of the Spyrokin Manga Review, the podcast that tells you all about manga and if a series is worth reading or not. I'm your host, Zan, and while I have no co-host today, I guarantee you're going to learn something cool. But anyway, remember if you want to check out any of our earlier episodes, go to www.spyrokin.com or iTunes. And if you want to comment, rant, or rave at anything you hear or read, you can email us at spyrokin at gmail.com or you can email me personally at zan at spyrokin.com. You'll probably get a better response if you email zanitsbarkin.com. But you can also leave a voicemail at 206-350-8462, and we will play it on air. And you can hear us rant or rave, or you could yell at us, or you could even say, that one, that only. Well, we'll get into that in a moment. But anyway, it's been a while since I released an actual episode, and I have to apologize. I mean, due to a personal problem and accident, I was preoccupied with real-life business, but now that's over with, and I am back. Things are looking up, and with our upcoming appearance at Manga Next 2012 at East Rutherford, New Jersey, happening around February 24th through 26th at the Sheridan Hotel, Spyrokin is on its way to the big time. Yep, we're getting up there. And I'm running three panels. The first one's going to be 12 Reasons Why Kentaro Morai Will Never Finish Berserk, obviously a Berserk panel. Motorcycles, Mohawks, and Mutants, a post-apocalypse manga panel where I'll talk about manga, which is set in the post-apocalypse, including Akira, Battle Angel Alita, Seven Seeds, and a bunch of other series, which I know a little bit about. And finally, we have a game show, The Insane Manga Challenge, where even if you don't win, you still will get manga. I have a lot of manga to get rid of, and hopefully, well, if you join, you could check it out and win some shit. 
Now, if you have a chance, when you go to the con, if you do go there, check us out. Tell me what you think and if it works, what I need to change. And, hey, maybe I'll give you a bumper sticker. I'll give you something for free. And if I do get a positive response, I may run it at other cons, which means I'll be at other places. And you can actually meet me and talk to me and maybe be in an episode I may record on its own. But I guess I'm digressing a little bit, just a little bit. So, anyway... I hope you guys have enjoyed our other podcasts in the interim. I mean, we're releasing four podcasts, releasing the Spyrokin Game Review, the Spyrokin Movie Review, the Supplemental Review, and, of course, the Spyrokin Con Review, which there hasn't been a couple episodes, but, you know, i got to talk about Con somehow. But anyway, we're back, and I'm ready to talk about the one thing which I know best. And what is that? That is manga. Yes, manga, because apparently I should have at least a bachelor's degree at this point, because my real bachelor's degree is useless. But, again, I digress. Anyway, so if you remember back, back, back when, in episode 144 of the Spark and Manga Review, I spun that one, that only, the Wheel of Manga! And it did turn to me that I'd be reviewing a series by Jun Shindo that started back in 2000 and still coming out to this day. It's classified as a shonen action mecha series, but I see it more as a military series. It's kind of hard to explain. It is published by Kodansha, and while it's never been released in the United States, apparently it has a really big following in France and Germany. Go figure. But anyway, what series am I talking about? I'm talking about Red Eyes, or Red Eyes. Now, this series is a little bit different than what I've usually covered because this is more of a military otaku's dream. So there's lots of references to the fictional world that it takes place in, the history, a lot of backstory about every little event in the back. There are maps, there's what the technology does. It reads very similar to uh, Masamune Shiro's Ghost in the Shell, those cliff notes. It's very hard to understand if you don't like that type of manga or you're not into military stuff. But it's still a pretty, well, weird world. So let's get into what Red Eyes is actually about. Now, it takes place in... Well, two fictional countries, the Republic of Rejuma and the Federation of Dreykov, and they've been at war for lots of years. And this takes place in the 182nd year of the GU calendar, which is the Grand Unification, so these, so it's in the future, and these worlds are in Middle Eastern Europe. So we're going to say it's going to be in the Ukraine, Romania, Hungary, Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia, and Bulgaria, and those nations. It's in the future, like I said. And it's not really that different in the future. There's not much difference. I mean, everyone uses pistols, everyone uses bombs, everyone uses knives. The only significant difference is this advanced armor, which makes it kind of a mech series, called SAA, or Special Assault Armor. And all it does is it really just heightens your abilities, it gives you more control, it's got a power source for 8 hours, they have a Gatling gun and a grenade launcher connected to the arm, and there are different models for it depending on which side you're on. And if you're in an SAA armor, that means you're one of the more special class. And these are like, they're, okay, our troops are getting their asses kicked, so we're going to release the SAA armor. It opens up where you have, like I said, the war between Rajuma and Draknov, and they're having a huge battle. And it's not going so good for the regime of Rajuna because they're getting their asses kicked by Draknov because they're trying to fight to reunify the two countries. And Rajuma is completely against it. They want to stay independent, so they're arguing each other and fighting. And at this point, it's come to the last line of defense where they're really losing everything. But when things get this bad, that's when the SAA armor troops are released. And the most elite of these are the Jackals. 
And there are these groups that are dressed up in SAA, which is this special assault armor. It's kind of very mechish. It's the only actual mech thing in the series because most of the weapons are conventional rifles, machine guns, grenades. But the new difference in this universe is this power armor. And what the power armor is, it's this armor which will last for about eight hours. And it's pretty fucking badass, to be honest with you. I mean, it's got um, a Gatling gun on one arm. And it's really strong, bulletproof to most common ammo. And it's just badass. And the Jackal group is led by Captain Grahad Mills. This guy who's just known for killing lots of Dragnov troops alone. And he prefers to work alone, and he's just like this ultimate master combat, combat expert. He's a great tactician, he's awesome at everything, and he is just very precise at what he does. And he is a very good commander. And his second-in-command is Julian Krauss, this guy who, he's good, but there's something off. I mean, when you first see him, he's defending a group of the Regium army, and he kills the Dragnoffs. Then he flips around and kills them. And they're like saying, what are you doing? We're on your, you're on our, we're on your side. And he's like, you're not on my side. No survivors. Something is wrong there. So after Captain Mills, who I forgot his nickname is Genocide because he kills anybody in his path. After they save the day, they win the battle. Turns out that his entire group, the Jackals, betray him. And they say, oh God, you went crazy and you killed everyone on our side. And he's like, what are you talking about? I would never do that. It's like, well, sorry, Captain. I mean, there's seven of us and only one of you. And they end up getting him arrested for rebellion and treason. And he didn't do that. He was a loyal subject. And they end up arresting him. And after that happens, the city that they're trying to protect in Dragnoff is nuked off the planet by this missile. The missile has no heat signatures, no nothing. It just goes in, blows it up. It's like a vacuum. Ends up killing lots of people. And he's now been arrested. And he's end up being sentenced to death for treason for something he didn't do. This opens up really in a nice place. I mean, the first chapter is very dialogueless. It's just literally the fight happening, and it's a lot of good action panels, but it's a little confusing. And if you don't like action panels, it's going to get a little boring. You might skip over a lot of it or just skip to the next chapter, but it has some nice dynamics to show the differences between the two armies and also to show the positives and negatives of wearing the SAA armor. So then it gets into the actual story, which is two months later, like I said, Mills is now going to be sentenced to death. They're coming to kill him. And meanwhile, Lieutenant Julian Cryas, the guy who betrayed him, ended up becoming promoted. He's now a colonel, but he's not really a colonel. He's a colonel in the Dragunov Army. He's working both sides. He's a lieutenant still in the Regium Army, but he's a colonel in the Dragunov Army. So he's playing both sides because he's obviously a power-hungry asshole. And personally, I can't wait to see him get his head blown off at the end of this series. But as I said, it's still going out, so I don't think it's ever going to come finish. It's 13 volumes so far. But he's getting promoted. Things are going good. And they go to execute Mills. And Mills, unarmed and handcuffed, ends up taking out all of his guards, seven of them who are in full body armor. Takes them out, kills them, and he escapes. And as he's walking out of death row, you see a lot of the other convicts there who are saying, Hey, man, let me out. Like, why should I let you out? You're like me. We're, we're wolves. We have to kill. And these are people who've done reprehensible things. One guy killed his platoon to eat them. Another one, just for the hell of it, went to an entire city, slaughtered everybody, and then proceeded to have sex with the dead bodies. And what does Mills do? Does he let them out? No. Mills turns his gun on both of them and literally kills them. And he says, this is, I'm going to find my group. 
my former command, and I'm going to kill them all. My war is not over yet. He wants revenge on what happened. He wants to find out why his seven subordinates betrayed him, and he's just going to find out what happened and execute each of them. And it ends up where he gets pumps information from a couple guys and finds out where his third in command, who originally was his second in command, Captain Waldman, who Waldman is an interesting character because he actually tried to assassinate Mills earlier. Happened was before Cryas showed up, there's a time when Mills was sniping in a building and he was getting ready to sniper and a kid shows up with a box. He's like, yeah, sir, uh, someone told me to give this to you. It, he said, I get chocolate if I give it to you. And obviously, you can guess in this box he's holding is a bomb. So the mom goes off, but Mills survives. The kid gets killed, and Waldman, unfortunately, does not get his promotion because if Mills died, he would become the captain of the Jackals, and he was a very power-hungry guy, but not as much as Cryas. He would try to assassinate Mills, but he wouldn't really go about saying he was a traitor. Cryas is a traitor, and he's just, you know, reflecting. But it gets into a really big assault between now Captain Waldman, who started as a sergeant, he's now this leader of this group called the Blackbirds, and they have their own armor, and it's him versus all of them. And it's a pretty intense fight sequence. And I don't want to spoil how it goes, but it's just, you get some very inventive scenes. Like one scene, you see all of them, they see this heat source. Like, okay, I think we found him, he has a heat source. We're going to go in after him. And they go in after him, and immediately he gets a message saying, uh, listen, we have a small problem. What? To, from command, like saying, he took one of the Navy bodysuits, and those are heat resistant. He calls his group, oh God, don't go in there, go in there. And it turns out that he set a booby trap to fuck with them, to take them out. And remember, they're wearing high level body armor. And he is so good, he takes out 12 guys with just a pistol. It is a pretty in depth and very fucked up series where you see a lot of body shots and a lot of crazy shit going on. But, but, you have a lot of interesting scenes where you just have him, how he outsmarts them and all the tactical maneuvers he does. If you like movies where there's shootouts and you have man versus an army, like Rambo or like Shoot 'em Up, you will love this series. There's a lot of very nice gunplay and a lot of great strategical maneuvers that are done in this. If you're not into that, though, you will be bored to shit. The story is a little compelling because I want to see where it goes because why the other ones were involved because there are seven people we only learned about two of them why they betrayed him the main person and then Sergeant Waldman who's now Captain Mikhail the rest of them Kruger Gaton and Sterioni we don't know why they betrayed him we're never going to know why so unless I read further and you might want to read further I personally I don't think I have the time I have too many manga to read because of course it's a manga podcast but the art style is a little dark <laughs> well let me, what am I saying a little dark it's pretty dark it's very technical. All the machinery is designed to a T, and it is a little 2000s-tastic. It's a little dirty. It's a little gritty, and everything looks worn, which is a nice aesthetic to it. It looks like it's real items. It's not, oh, this is pristine, brand-new, glimpsing body armor. No, this is armor that has been used in battles. You see bullet marks and bullet scars and knife scars. And Oh, speaking of knife scars, apparently this armor, which is bulletproof and all this stuff, can be taken out by a knife. I don't get that. Someone please explain why. It's, it could get rid of ballistics, but heavy knives can go through it. I don't I don't understand that at all. Is it because it's the piercing versus blunting? Is that what it is? Uh, I don't know. But 
the art design is very flashy. It's very dark at times, and other times it's very light and bright, and you can't tell who's on which side at the time because the armors are very similar. It's not like you have one guy is wearing fatigue style clothes and the other person is wearing not fatigue clothes, or one person has a dark uniform, one has a light uniform. At times during that, you can't tell who is who. So, you, I mean, maybe that'd be why you couldn't tell who was the good guy, who was the bad guy. But it is a very well-designed series for the aesthetic, which it is, which is about its military. So you want to see all the different uniforms, all the different devices, all the different outfits. That is well done. Character design, well, it's a kind of erratic. Because when you first see Mills in the prison, he's got long black hair. And then when he escapes prison, suddenly he has short white hair. And it's like, wait, 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 what happened? Did you stop and get your hair dyed within two minutes after you escaped? What happened? You don't really know what happened. It's just kind of a anomaly, which I didn't really like, but it wasn't bad. So, anyway, let's get on to that part you've all been for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the review for this episode. So, after reading it, the first volume, I have to say... While I'm not a military fan, and I didn't get into any of the parts of the fact that they use regular munitions or anything like that, I did like this series. It was very interesting once you got into the actual plot of what happened. I mean, you would never think that, okay, this guy betrayed him because he's playing both sides, and he's still playing both sides to this day, and he's still in command of the group which was disbanded. You would never think that. And it's got all these little subplots, which nothing is revealed yet, but there's more going on, and you want to see where the more is going on. And you like where it's going. Like I said, the art style is decent, not great, but it's passable. And this series is definitely for a niche market. If you like action, mecha, military series, you will love this series. If you're a romantic fan, if you're a comedy fan, you're not going to like this. It's a pretty dark series. I mean, it's not berserk dark where, you know, Guts watches Casca get raped by Griffith and also gets his eye ripped out and he has to cut his own arm off. But it's a darker series. There's not a lot of humor in it. It's more serious. There is a lot of dialogue sections where they're talking about what happened during the war, where it is. And at the end of the manga, there's actually an appendix which talks about the war itself. And it gets in-depth on what happened every year, where all the battles took place, what were the battles. It's very battle-heavy. So if you want something light, you're not going to like this. This is not a series that's like a four-coma. This is a very in-depth series. I can see why it's popular in Italy and Germany and France because it is more mature and very organized and informative manga. I, could, I don't see why it could never be released over here, though. I mean, there's nothing really Hitler-y or Nazi-ish about it, but I don't know. Maybe someone will pick it up. Not Vertical, though. I think Dark Horse would be better to pick this one up, because Dark Horse is more about the dark and crazy shit. I think they'd be better off in this. Because you have a lot of messed up things where people use as human bombs and terrorism and... Anyway. So, for that reason, I'm going to have to give this our... Gonna give us our second highest rating, which is borrow, take, borrow from a friend and don't return unless offered Pocky. The series is decent. It's really good. Uh, if you're a guy and you like guns or cars or shit, check it out. Girls, you're not going to like it. There's no romance plot. There is no girl power. There is no female antagonist or protagonist. It's just guys killing shit. And for those Hunter fans out there, you may like it because you see a lot of different type of ammo and a lot of people's heads exploding. But it's a decent series. It's not bad. It's got a lot of little subplot and subtext to it. It's just it's not for everybody. It's really not for everybody. But, well, what am I going to say? I'm me. Uh, for any of my French or German or Italian listeners, tell me what you like this series. Tell me what you think about it. Email me. 
zaninspirecon.com. Let me know what you think about this series and why you like it or why you don't like it. Either way. Remember, you can check out any of our other episodes at www.spirecon.com. You can email us at gmail.com or me at zaninspirecon.com. And let's get to the part we're waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that one. That only. The Wheel of Manga! Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga. Except some subject. Now, what is the Wheel of Manga? The Wheel of Manga is a Wheel of Fortune with 10 slots on it. What I've done is I've assigned a manga to each of the 10 slots. What I'm going to do is I'm going to spin that one, that only, the Wheel of Manga. One over number and lands, and that's what we're reviewing in the next episode of the Sparkin Manga Review, episode 146. Yes, and that's actually going to be a good episode. Once that's done, we're going to be finally into March, and we're up to date. Hooray! But no, seriously, seriously, uh, once we do, and that's going to be episode 146. So let's spin the Wheel of Mangas who we're reviewing in the next episode. Number seven. So in the next episode of the Spock and Manga Review, I'm going to be reviewing a manga about horrible secrets, lies, and imprisonment. And what manga is that? Well, it's Osamu Tezuka's great manga, Aieko. So... I guess that's it for this episode of the Spark and Manga Review. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember to keep listening. We have lots of episodes coming up, including a con report, but we'll get to that later. So, that's it. I'm your host, Zan, and as usual, I am Gonsville. Catch you next time. <laughs>